upon a time, there was a little girl named Emily. And Emily was six years old, and she didn't have any brothers. She didn't have any sisters. But she had a ton of cousins that lived close by. And so her favorite thing was when she got to go be with all of her cousins to play. I mean, cousins are the best, aren't they? Yeah. One day... Emily was with her cousins, and they were all playing together in the backyard. And then it happened. One of the cousins found the most amazing rock you have ever seen. And all the cousins were so excited about this rock. And they began to pass the rock from one to the other. And they oohed, and they awed over the rock. And as soon as Emily got to hold it, Emily said, it's mine. And the other cousins go, no, no, it's mine. No, it's mine. Another cousin said, I'm the one who found it. And the other cousin said, well, I saw it first. And the other cousin says, but it's mine. And Emily goes, no, it's mine. And they started to fight. And they began to argue over the rock to the point where they got louder and louder and the parents had to get involved And the parents came out to the backyard and they realized they were fighting over the rock. And so the parents said, guys, look around. There are so many beautiful rocks. Let's go find more rocks. And they were like, no, nothing compares to this rock right here. The conflict got so bad, Emily's mom packed all of her stuff up and took her home. The very first fight Emily ever had with her family was over a rock. Have any of you ever fought or argued with someone in your family? Really? None? Okay, that's it. Raise your hand if you've ever had a fight with your brother or your sister. Yeah, I have to raise my hand on that. I fault my brother because I'm always right and he's always wrong, right? Isn't that the way it goes? Yeah. Okay, give me some examples. What you, maybe this has happened to you, maybe not, but give me some examples of what you could fight over with your brother or sister. I saw a lot of hands. What TV show are they watch? What TV show are you going to watch? That's a good one. What else? Fight over chocolate. I'm with you. I love that. All right, what else do kids fight about? What do brothers and sisters fight about? The last lollipop. The last lollipop. The last of anything is a problem. All right, raise your hand if you've ever had a fight with a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a husband, a wife, a spouse, a partner. Raise your hand. Come on. Raise your hand if you had an argument. I am not going to ask you what it was about. Conflicts happen. Arguments happen. But for some reason, the older we get, the higher the consequences we think it must be. For some reason, the older we get, the worse the fights. And for some reason, something that should be so small, if we're old enough, it can be really, really big. But it's interesting because whenever we see kids fight, you know what we say? (laughs) It's time to get these kids back to school tomorrow or in the next few weeks. 
We see kids fight, and we're like, you know what? We got the answer for them. Let's just put them in school. That's a normal thing for them. We are so quick to say, it is just like a child to want something she cannot have. It is just like one of those teenagers, one of those youth, to want something that he cannot have. When the truth is, really, it's just like every single one of us, every single adult, we all want something we cannot have, or we want something that we think we see someone else having. And it's because we want what we deserve that there's so much conflict. So when somebody cuts a sandwich, we're going to take the bigger half. When somebody gets a new job, we want a new job. When someone has better stuff, we want better stuff. If somebody has more of mom's attention, then you better believe I'm going to fight for it too. And what's so sad is some of our deepest, most life-changing conflicts happen within families. We're not alone. We're in good company because even in the most ancient scriptural families, there was conflict. There were three different brothers, three sets of brothers, and they had conflicts fighting over fame, over love, and over attention. And that's just in the book of Genesis. (laughs) Cain and Abel. They fought over who God preferred. And God actually said one day that God preferred one offering over the other. And so the two brothers took it to the field. And the conflict of that brotherhood is actually still happening, ending in violence. We have Ishmael and Isaac, sons of Abraham. Ishmael was the very first one born of Abraham, born of Hagar. And Ishmael went on to become the father of the Muslim tradition. Then we have his brother Isaac, who was the firstborn of Sarah, but secondborn of Abraham. And Isaac went on to be the father of the nation of the Jewish tradition and their Christian traditions. And the conflict of these two brotherhood these brothers, that conflict is still happening and it ends in hatred. And then we have Isaac's own children, his own sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau, they fought so much that they couldn't even share the same space. Even within the womb, they were fighting. And the mother, Rebecca, She could feel this unsettledness. And when she felt that movement, she went over to God and she said, God, why? And God said this, two nations are in your womb and two peoples born of you shall be divided. One shall be stronger than the other and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her time to give birth was at hand, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all of his body like a hairy mantle. So they named him Esau. And afterwards, his brother came out with his hand gripping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. And when the boys grew up, 
Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man living in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he was fond of game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. This is a great story. I took snippets from Genesis 25. If you have time, you should totally read the whole story. Start at 25 and keep going for about eight chapters. It's a really great story. It is juicy too. But ultimately, it's a story of conflict because one brother wanted something the other one had. Theologians over time have called this conflict a caricature. This story is called a caricature conflict because it exaggerates in very vivid imagery the two brothers. After all, one is this hairy, skillful hunter named Esau, and the other is a very timid, quiet tent dweller. Another reason it's called a caricature is because it exaggerates and illustrates three different types of conflict just in one story. In just a few chapters, all of a sudden we have a family conflict, a cultural conflict, and a national conflict. On the family side, you got two brothers who were fighting from the very beginning. And you have parents who actually pick one and have a favorite and then help them out later. Parents, you should not do that. That's bad stuff. You have a cultural conflict because everybody knows the laws of inheritance say that the eldest son should have everything. The son inherits all of it just by birth. It's his birthright. And all of a sudden, we have God saying, well, Actually, the younger is going to be the best, better of the two. And the elder is going to serve the younger. And so in great scriptural fashion, the opposite always happens. Because <laughs> we know sinners are supposed to be bad, but yet Jesus ate with sinners. And tax collectors are supposed to be terrible, but yet Jesus befriended all the tax collectors. So yeah, the older really should have the birthright, but you know what? The younger one is going to get it in this story. Because Esau got hungry. He sold his birthright over a bowl of stew that Jacob had waiting for him. And a little later, Jacob was going to totally trick him out of the last blessing of his father too. So we have cultural problems on our hands. And then we have a national problem. Because these two brothers all of a sudden represent two nations. Jacob is going to have this encounter with God, and God's going to rename Jacob Israel. And so Jacob will represent the nation of Israel. And then we have Esau, who has to leave, and he goes to a totally different land of Edom, and he represents the nation of Edom. And these two nations, everyone knows, is one of the oldest political rivals there is. And so because we've been reading since Genesis 25, we know that it's severed. These families are done and separated and over, and there's nothing more that can happen. 
But because we've been reading since chapter 25 and we end up in chapter 33, we know that the story is not over. Little Emily, she had to go back and see her family. About two weeks after the big rock fight, it was 4th of July. And so she had to go back to the big family barbecue. Emily's mom put her in the car and began to drive down that road to the family party. And Emily was scared. Emily was nervous because she wasn't really sure what was going to happen with her cousins. So she became almost uncomfortable thinking about it. And she was so nervous and she was so scared that when they got to the party, when they got to the family reunion, Emily would not leave the side of her mother. Have you ever seen this happen? A little girl just sticks herself to the side of the mom and everywhere the mom goes, the little girl's sure to follow. That's what happened. They went down the food aisle or the food line and still Emily is right here, would not leave the side of her mother. And the whole time she's getting her plate with all her aunts and her uncles, she's just eyeing everybody. (laughs) They have their dinner. It turns into dark. Kids are starting to play. And you know what happens at a fireworks at 4th of July. You know how that goes. Everybody starts putting out the blankets And sure enough, Emily sits almost on top of her mother because she refuses to speak to anyone. Fireworks start, and right up ahead of her, she sees this blanket. And all the cousins are right in front of her, acting like big kids, sitting by themselves. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Emily gets up, and she walks right over to the blanket And she sits right down in the middle of all the cousins. You know how you go like this, just like make yourself room. Everybody's got to back away. She sat right in the middle of the cousins. And she put one arm over each of them next to her. And she embraced them. And they spent the entire night laughing and having a great time together and ooing and aahing over the fireworks. Jacob was traveling toward the path of his brother that he had not seen. He was nervous. He was uncomfortable. He didn't know the reaction of his brother. And he was so nervous traveling past him or traveling toward his land that Jacob actually divided the family and divided the animals and divided all of his assets and said, I want half of you to hide. I'm only going to have half of you just in case my brother takes something. He's not going to take it all. That's how scared he was. And as he's walking, he looks up. And he sees his brother. And this is what Esau does. Esau ran to meet his brother, embraced him, and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. And when Esau looked up and saw the women and children, he said, Who are these people with you? Esau met his entire family that day. 
a conflict that could have stayed in anger and violence and hatred because of the actions of one person turned into joy and laughter and forgiveness. Being a child of God, being a person in the life of Christ means we are the one to extend a new kind of hospitality. We are the ones to know that we are the peacemakers. We're the one to offer the quick smile or the kind words. Because we know as people of God that a life of Christ means that the story is not over. Yes, there will be conflict and there will be arguments. And frankly, there are a lot happening right now. And there are politics involved, and there are cultures involved, and there are families involved. All the time, always. And lately, we've seen a lot more of those conflicts take center stage because we are living lives totally in different lands, separated, and now we're walking the road to come back together and figure things out. And we've got family, culture, and politics behind us all arguing and worrying. But we know that the story is not over, and we are the people to do opposite of what everything says to do. We are the ones to make the change. We know that because of the life of Christ, we are all given the same birthright. And there's nothing worth fighting over because we all have unconditional love and unconditional forgiveness and unconditional grace. And so if we've been given that kind of love, we are the very ones to offer it back. And so this week, maybe it's time for us to throw our arms around the people around us and embrace the things that are important and let go of the others because the others might just be a rock. Amen. A table is a place where we as a family, as a church family, as a family in this community, and as your personal families, a table is a place where we can go and begin the work of reconciliation. And that's what we are called to do. And that's what we will do today through the meal of Holy Communion. And so to prepare ourselves to receive this meal, be in prayer with me. Holy and gracious Lord, we come to you so thankful. We, thank, we are thankful that you have given each of us ways to make our own responses to your love. And we are so thankful for all the possibilities that are in front of us. Come to us now in the midst of our own diversity and unite us in a sense of mutual caring. Open us to a new appreciation of the birthright that we are all your children. May each of us know that in different ways we are chosen and favored for different things. 
And so if there is anything weighing us down, keeping us from being the person of God you need us to be, then help us let go of it. Help us to lift that burden so we may serve you and see you better. And Lord, for people that we meet and people that we pass, may we be a part of their healing too. Whatever it is that we can offer, may we learn to offer it graciously. May we never be too short-sighted of the power of our words. May we never lose focus of the people that mean the most in front of us. And may you free us from whatever it is holding us back to just simply love whoever is needing to be loved. Accept us, accept our offerings, and accept this worship. Amen.